The security alert from the U.S. Embassy in Kabul went out around 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time Thursday morning. It instructed Americans to leave the Kabul airport immediately and avoid traveling there after reports of explosions and gunfire. Just under three hours later, the tragic news. And this was, of course, what everybody feared. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby putting out a statement just a short time ago saying a number of U.S. service members were killed in these twin explosions, what he called a complex operation, a complex attack at Kabul International Airport, where are, there are more than 5,000 U.S. service members at the moment. We now The last U.S. casualty in Afghanistan was in February 2020. Now, as of when we're recording this, on Thursday afternoon, at least 12 U.S. service members are among the dead in these attacks at the Kabul airport and during what was supposed to be the final hundred hours of America's two-decade military operation in Afghanistan. The hospital was overwhelmed with patients. Uh, we had uh, approximately 60 patients coming in, 16 uh, dead on arrival. So that Rosella Micho is president of Emergency, an NGO operating a hospital in Kabul. 16 people dead on arrival, she told NPR Thursday. And a problem growing even more critical? With the airport in disarray, there's concern that medical supplies could run low. If uh, we, we don't see any opening of uh, the airport, this is going to be a, a serious problem uh, for us, but for the entire country. Coming up, what we know about what happened at the Kabul airport and what it means for the Biden administration's goal of completing evacuations from Afghanistan in just a few days' time. It's Consider This from NPR. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. It's Thursday, August 26th. This message comes from NPR sponsor Netflix, presenting the new limited series The Chair with Sandra Oh. Oh portrays Professor Ji Yoon Kim, the first person of color and female chair of the English department at Pembroke University. The Chair is streaming now, only on Netflix. The following message comes from NPR sponsor WeWork. Escape work-from-home distractions with WeWork Access memberships. Find convenient workspaces by the day or month, starting at just $29 a day, plus applicable taxes. Sign up at WeWork.com NPR. Over this last year and a half, the world's been through a lot. So on this season of the StoryCorps podcast, we'll hear stories reminding us that even when times are hard, we can still begin again. Listen to our new season wherever you get your podcasts. It's Consider This from NPR. You may be listening to this on Friday morning or later, and we want to remind you that NPR's morning news podcast, Up First, is also a good source of information right now. Here is what we know as of Thursday afternoon, Eastern Time in Washington, D.C. Twelve U.S. service members have been killed, in addition to, quote, a number of Afghan civilians. The result of two blasts, one near the Afghan capital's Karzai Airport, or the other at a nearby hotel. Here is what the head of U.S. Central Command, General Kenneth McKenzie, said this afternoon at the Pentagon. It's a hard day today. As you know, two suicide bombers assessed to have been ISIS fighters detonated in the vicinity of the Abbey Gate at Hamad Karzai International Airport and in the vicinity of the Barron Hotel, which is immediately adjacent. The attack on the Abbey Gate was followed by a number of ISIS gunmen who opened fire on civilians and military forces. NPR is covering this from multiple places. We start with some of the harrowing moments on the ground in Kabul, which is where we reached reporter Matthew Akins of the New York Times this morning. He had managed to get close to the Abbey Gate, the airport entrance. We just heard General McKenzie mention. I asked Akins what he was seeing, what he was learning in the moments after these explosions. 
there was a large crowd of people that had gathered at the Abbey Gate on the south side of the airport where people were lining up for hours to try to show uh, the foreign soldiers, American soldiers, their documents in the hopes of being allowed in. A desperate hope because very few are allowed in. And in this huge crush of people today, uh, there was at least one blast, dozens of people killed and, and, and more injured. So it was a terrible scene. Uh, I arrived afterward and the Taliban had blocked off the area and they were trying to clear it. And they said the situation was out of control. There were bodies everywhere that the foreigners had been hit. How close were you able to get? What were you actually able to see firsthand? Uh, we weren't actually able to get up to the blast site. So okay. we were speaking with people who had been there and we were speaking with the Taliban guards who were quite agitated and trying to clear people from the area, branching uh, pipes and lengths of cable. When you got there, it was calm. The The Taliban was trying to, to as you say, clear the area and, and restore some form of control. I wouldn't say it was calm. It was a very tense situation. The Taliban were yelling and trying to forcibly clear people out. And we could hear sounds of firing from inside the airport as well as sirens. Yeah. Were you able to see our flights able to take off? What What is the impact on the evacuation effort? There have been flights taking off. We, we saw flights taking off. So it seems the evacuation is now continuing. So then you tried to go to the hospital where some of the people uh, who were hurt in this attack, in these twin attacks, were, were taken. What was that road like trying to get from the airport to the trauma center? Well, we I read a motorcycle usually to get around traffic, so we were able to get there fairly quickly. I was a photographer, and there was a big crowd gathered outside the gates of emergency hospital, which is a trauma hospital in Kabul. Just ambulance after ambulance was arriving, you know, in front of the anxious eyes of this crowd. And they were wheeling um, bodies of people, you know, injured people into the hospital. Some clearly very badly injured, unconscious. Some of them were children. Their relatives were weeping nearby. Yeah. If I may ask, are you, it sounds like you are able to move around. You are able to report freely at this point? It's a very tense situation in Kabul, which requires a lot of caution. Um, especially around the airport, but the Taliban has, you know, made many assurances to foreign journalists that they will be allowed to continue working. We've met with the spokesperson, Zabiola Mujahid, who's issued us letters of permission, which we actually used today to get through some of the um, checkpoints, and they worked somewhat to our surprise. But so far, we are able to continue working uh, and report the story from the ground. That was Matthew Akins of the New York Times on the line from Kabul. Well, NPR's own Quill Lawrence has been learning more about the attack at the Kabul airport from the Pentagon, including how it may impact the U.S. evacuation effort, which had been scheduled to conclude August 31st. Quill spoke to Audie Cornish on Thursday afternoon. Quill, Pentagon officials had been briefing reporters earlier this afternoon. How did they describe what happened? Well, uh, they were talking about uh, what is the worst single attack on American troops if, in 10 years in the Afghan war. And uh, General McKenzie was, um, the head of CENTCOM, was talking about the job that these mostly Marines at the gate are doing, where they have to get right up close to people in order to uh, search them to prevent just this from happening, from, or particularly from a bomb getting onto a plane. 
And what was also striking was how much he spoke about cooperation with the Taliban. He said that the Taliban have been uh, providing a perimeter and have been searching people on the way through, and he seemed to have some faith, at least, in, in those uh, searches. He said they weren't always doing a good job, obviously, but he did not think necessarily that the Taliban would have let uh, this suicide bomber through. That doesn't seem to be in the interest right now, and he said that there's been enough cooperation so far that um, he was continuing to cooperate with them and, and talking about uh, possibly mm-hmm. having the Taliban move their, their uh, perimeter out. What did he say about the group that has claimed responsibility? Um, yeah, well, we have some claims on Twitter video. There's a video on Twitter circulating of a of a member of the Islamic State Khorasan, the ISIS-K group, claiming responsibility. We, at the time of the briefing, uh, he wasn't able to confirm that completely, but that seems to be the group most people suspect. They are an enemy of the Taliban. It has not been seen in the Taliban's interest to uh, let this sort of chaos reign, uh, this cooperation they have is to help get the Americans out the door as fast as they can um, on that August 31st deadline. So he, he seemed to think that that's what they were doing to help this happen. But he said they'd been anticipating an attack like this. There, there had been a warning to American citizens to stay away from the gates of the airport just uh, some hours before this blast took place. So they must have had some intelligence. How secure is the airport then? And what does this mean in terms of the U.S. mission, which is focused on meeting that August 31st deadline? Yeah, I mean, the general mentioned that uh, this isn't a job just focused on Americans protecting themselves. They have to put themselves in harm's way in order to evacuate American citizens and all of these vulnerable Afghans. So the airport is not completely secure. It can't be letting 104,000 people in now since the 14th. So um, he, he did say that they're going to continue this mission. The plan is designed to operate while under stress and under attack, and we will continue to do that. We will coordinate very carefully to make sure that it's safe for American citizens to come to the airfield. If it's not, we'll tell them to hold, and then we'll, you know, we'll work other ways to try to get them to the airfield. Now, he said that they are committed to keep flying people out. He said there had even been flights going out in the last several hours, which is impressive. You'd have thought there had been a complete lockdown. But what will continue is this chaotic and ad hoc system of of getting people into the airport. And there are tens of thousands of people who still want to get in there. NPR correspondent Quill Lawrence. Again, the situation in Afghanistan is changing fast. If you are hearing this on Friday morning, there's a link in our episode notes to NPR's morning news podcast, Up First, where you can hear more coverage. It's Consider This. From NPR, I'm Mary Louise Kelly.